0: The only thing certain in life, they say, are death and taxes. We've heard a lot about taxes already this year, so we can put that to one side. But what about death? What about a good death? What does it mean to die well? How spiritual it might be if you turn to religious roots or away from them in your last moments, even your last months and years. Do you hope to die reeling a giant brim into your tinny? Maybe you're listening to your favourite piece of Chopin with your family around, uh, dying with your boots on, as they say. Maybe you don't want your family anywhere near you. I'd love to hear from you, 0418 226576. What is a good death and how do you plan to make it happen? This text says, I'm not sure if it was Julius Caesar who said it when asked, but the best way to die is suddenly Uh, This one too, I don't know what my death will look like, I won't know. Maybe you're talking about people organising their funeral, which I find so cringeworthy. I often object to the euphemism, passed away, they didn't, they died. Uh, Of course, uh, lots of death counsellors say that, actually, you've got to be very direct when you pass on that sort of news. This one, too, uh, from Peter in Melbourne. She says, at my good death, I would like to know my body would be composted organically with the worms like people can in other countries, but sadly not in Australia. Uh, Oh, to become part of the earth as in a sustainable uh, contribution back to Mother Earth. And this one, too, I don't need to honour my life, just make sure my life is honourable. Those who leave me, uh, leave after me, and honour it as if it was worth honouring. Lots of interesting thoughts there. Let's let's get into this. I'd love to hear from you. What is a good death? How does that look like to you? 226576. Of course, we know that the influence of Christianity is on the decline in this country. Uh, there's a rise of people looking into other kinds of support or kinds of spirituality that may not directly be religious a group of researchers at melbourne university is taking uh, a particular look at the rise of buddhist inspired practices they call it buddhist practices like mindfulness and compassion cultural anthropologist and postdoctor, uh, doctorate fellow dr hannah gould is one of those researchers tell me can i ask a personal question what does a good death look like to you
1: What a way to start. What a way to end. What a way to end. You know, I must be with many of your um, listeners really in the sense of really valuing those things like nature and sensory experiences, you know, having good food, good wine, good friends around you. I think for me, when all of those kind of things end, then it's probably ready for me to to say goodbye Um, and, you know, to try and create as much good karma through my death in donating my body and Um, hopefully my organs and everything else can help other people as well
0: that's uh, rather beautifully said i do like this idea of seeking solace in nature i think when Mm. you know you can see the cycle of life happening before you it somehow seems more comprehensible we are changing as a society in terms of how we approach death and dying tell me about your research
1: yeah, so one of the big things we looked at in our research is obviously Australia has for a long time been a majority Christian country, um, and as the latest ABS statistics reveal, for the first time we're a you know minority Christian country, Christians identified as probably less than 50% now, just somewhere around 40%. So for all those people who don't identify as Christian and maybe don't identify as any of the other world religions... You know, how do they think about their death and dying? How do they think about spirituality and sources of meaning? And one of the things that we've identified, interestingly enough, is kind of more and more people turning towards Buddhism as a source of expertise, interest, comfort at the end of life, they're not necessarily Buddhist themselves. Some of them have never stepped inside a temple or talked to a, a priest or a nun, um, but they have these kind of Buddhist influences. I love this Buddhist idea, adjacents. Buddhist.
0: <laughs> I, I can't say the word Buddhist without saying hashtag uh, before it. It seems uh, very much a social media inspired thing. How serious are these um, pursuance of Buddhist practices?
1: Well, as serious as life and death. I mean, in some ways, you know, it it could be critiqued um, maybe or, you know, dismissed as a pretty surface-level influence of, you know, lotus flowers and lighting a candle and lighting incense and that sort of thing. Um, But for other people, you know, those aesthetic practices become really, really important to how they make sense of the world. Um, Whether that be, you know, picking up a book written by a popular Buddhist author about life and death, or, you know, maybe even something to the extent of choosing to have a kind of Buddhist-inspired funeral or memorial for themselves. Or, you know, we've actually also heard stories from people who, when they go into hospital for their final admission, they're slightly worried, they suddenly choose to Tick that box that says Buddhist um, on the admissions form. Sometimes without even telling their family or <laughs> ever having kind of talked to a Buddhist. Really, that's
0: uh, so fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're seeing this kind of way in which um, Buddhist teachers have more and more kind of be seen as kind of experts on death and dying, even within a relatively secular frame. Um, So people turning towards Buddhism for inspiration and, and kind of teachings on death and dying, even if themselves they're not particularly religious or they might be more spiritual or secular.
0: As a devout atheist, a lot of the practice or practical kinds of parts of some organized religions, but particularly Buddhism appeals to me. And I think that touches a nerve with lots of other people. There's this idea of non-prothetizing, um, you know, the kind of ideas of, of embracing suffering, for example. Mm. Um, do you think that in any way it's cultural appropriation for people to suddenly take up or cherry-pick parts of Buddhism, which is, you could say, an organized religion, uh, and, and therefore somehow diminish the spiritual qualities of it as opposed to the practical or um, more tangible qualities to it.
1: Look, I definitely think there's the capacity for this to become cultural appropriation and particularly when it's exploitative um, or it's people, you know, charging money for these teachings and practices that they themselves are not a part of, Um, you know, and particularly when that, you know, we think about Australia as a country with really long traditions of Asian Australians who practice Buddhism and hold that knowledge within our community. At the same time, you know, through this research we interviewed... 40, 50 Buddhist, Buddhist practitioners who are offering the services. And they actually most of the time expressed a real generosity and willingness to engage with people, some of them who were Buddhist, but were also very happy to offer their services to people who weren't Buddhist, who were secular, who were spiritual. And a real, I suppose that's the real guiding principle is compassion to look after other people on their own terms, as you said, without proselytising, without trying to convert people, um, and also, you know, with a kind of honesty and about suffering and death, that that's those kind of qualities that seems to really attract people to them as well.
0: It's 25 past four. You're listening to RN Drive. The University of Melbourne cultural anthropologist, Dr Hannah Gould, is here. We're talking about what it means to die well. What is a good death? And uh, some, uh, well, the trends really when it comes to some people uh, cherry picking parts of Buddhism for these Buddhist practices as they get uh, closer to the end. Some fantastic texts, I've got to say, (laughs) here, Hannah. Uh, Some really touching, some kind of funny. This touching one from David uh, says When my wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer in her mid 60s, we organised two terrific events with speeches and dancing in Adelaide and Melbourne for friends and family. It was such a wonderful way to say goodbye. And uh, my wife died peacefully about 10 months later, that's David in Nunawading. Mm. a beautiful way to say goodbye. Throw a party. That's the way to do it. This one too, uh, John in Griffith, New South Wales says, um, a good death, a natural burial, bring me to the forest, uh, dig a hole, put a rock on top of it. Uh, there I'll lose my soul, he says. Juliet in Q says, I want a quick and painless death and for my organs uh, to be, uh, the ones that are suitable to be used to treat others. And this one I found amusing, Jeremy in Lane Cove, New South Wales, says, I want to go out skydiving without a parachute from at least thirty <laughs> to 40,000 feet, preferably higher. And he's quite specific in this uh, final request. He wants to do this over the central western desert with views of the Bungle Bungles, no less. Wow. So,
1: well, I mean, hopefully no one's located underneath him um, when he chooses
0: to <laughs> It might be way. a goodbye for more than one. So <laughs> let, let, let's let come to the instructive part of this. What does Buddhism mm. say about how to die well?
1: Well, I think Buddhism is particularly interesting as a religion in that, it you know, most religions kind of have death at their core. And you can't really be a religion unless you attack the big questions and there perhaps is no bigger question um, for humans, than what happens when you die, Buddhism, you know, is a diverse religion. So there's lots of different teachings and different schools. But one of the things we particularly found that these Buddhist teachers in Australia were offering was a really honest confrontation with death and dying. So you know, not sugarcoating it, not lying to the person who was dying you know, telling them that they will die, telling them that, you know, there might be some physical suffering involved, um, being really clear with people about what's going to happen, and then meeting them on their own terms. So, asking people about what they thought would happen afterwards. Do you think anything's going to happen? And within Buddhism, that ranges from some Buddhists who believe, you know, they're kind of materialists, atheists. They think that's the end and Maybe your body will go back to nature, but there's no kind of afterlife to other schools of Buddhism where we do have, you know, teachings on reincarnation or teachings on a kind of pure land afterlife that you may enter into. So there's a huge different range within that. But the thing we found interesting when talking to these Buddhist practitioners was they were kind of happy to go on that journey of discovery with the patients, with the families, as opposed to really imposing a certain model.
0: It's uh Always, I suppose, important to plan and and have some ideas on how this, uh, you want this to go, particularly if you're incapacitated and need to kind of Mm. refer these uh, ideas to other people while you can. Maybe this conversation is the start of that for you. Cultural anthropologist and postdoctorate fellow Dr. Hannah Gould, thank you so much for your time, as always.
1: Thank you for having me, Andy. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy.